0: Welcome to a very anticipated episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. Today's episode, I will be going through the power rankings for the Prospect League in Dynasty League 33. Some of you, well, most of you will not be on this list, but for those of you that are on this list, you all have a very solid chance of winning the championship. With a few trades, you could really push yourself over the edge. Let's get started. So, with uh, the number 12 team in the rankings... We have the Boston Bruins. Uh, This team would not have made the rankings had we started this about three days ago, but they just made a big trade, and they acquired Matthew Poitras. Uh, Matthew Poitras is going to be around 8.5 to 9 fantasy points per per game this year, so he's definitely going to be leading that team, along with Daniel Jilkin and Rasmus Kampyalainen. The only issue with this team is after those three, it kind of falls off a cliff. They have... They only have one player to even put in the Euroflex spot right now, but um, when you have three players that are all going to be pretty good CHL production guys that you can put in your lineup every week, that alone gives you a very strong floor to work with. So if Boston does make a few moves, which I know they're uh, they're itching to make some more moves, so I think Boston has a chance to put themselves in contention for the Prospect League this year, uh, which is definitely interesting because I would not have seen them uh, having a chance to compete. Had we, you know, talked about this two or three days ago. So, uh, Matthew Poitras definitely gives Boston a chance to compete, but they need more, especially on defense. Right now they have Connor Smith. I have Dimitri Kuzman. You know, you might get five points a night if you're lucky from both of those guys, especially with Kuzman now moving to the AHL. All right, I'm still working through a bit of a cough here, so I might have to do some more cutting than I'm used to doing today. But uh, moving on to number 11 on the list, I have the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes have an interesting squad. It, there's some definite high-end potential here, but there's a few positions that I'm just not sure about going forward, and uh, that'll definitely limit their ceiling. So they've got a pretty strong squad overall. They can throw out Jordan Gustafson and Sanders Vilmanis. Those guys are both probably going to be around... I mean, Gustafson should be 6.5 points per game. Vilmanis, I would expect to have a jump. He was around 4.5 last year. He should go up to around 5 to 5.5 but you know if if guys end up you know having big years and and having a spike in production that's where these rankings could definitely end up you know not being accurate so if your team ends up having a strong start and you notice that your prospects are having a good year it might be the time to push your push your chips into the middle to go for the prospect league championship the issue with Arizona is that their third forward spot tends to be it's it's going to be a hit or miss spot. They've got Logan Stankoven, Philip Mshar, and Joshua. They can all throw in the lineup. The issue there is I think Raw make, or Joshua Waugh makes the, the, the Habs. I think Stankoven has a very good shot to make uh, the Dallas Stars this year as well. So it, there's there's going to be you know there's going to be weeks where he might not have players he wants to put in the lineup. So that's going to limit his ceiling. Ty Nelson, though, ooh, Ty Nelson, he's going to be an absolute stud in fantasy this year. He's uh, he's going to be featured later in the podcast, so we'll, we'll get to him later, but uh, I definitely love Ty Nelson. He should be around 8 to 8.5 points per game this year. The uh, Where it definitely has a bit of a drop-off, you have Luke Coughlin coming in as our second defenseman. I'm not sure entirely what to expect from Luke Coughlin this year, but you know he could be around 4 points per game. The Euroflex is definitely going to be... Uh, hit or miss for arizona daniel orlov and vinzenz Rohrer are currently their only you know the two guys that have the best shot at giving him points regularly it's a bit of a weaker spot for him he does however have quentin miller in net i do like quentin miller and he should be getting a lot of playing time this year for the ramparts moving on so uh this was supposed to be a top 10 but i had to go through a few extra rosters to make sure i wasn't missing anyone and uh I ended up adding a few more teams so at number 10 in the power rankings flip it over I have the Seattle Kraken this is a bit of a projection um, but I do think this team has a chance to surprise Ethan Miedema, if you look at his stats from Windsor not from Kingston if he has a similar production rate that he had in uh, in Windsor there could be you know he could be around six points per game maybe seven points per game Kingston's going to be very improved this year. So I would expect him to have a big spike. Cam Squires and Casper Haltonen fill out his forward room. I love Casper Haltonen, especially now that he's in London. He could have a huge year. I'm I'm really excited to see what Haltonen does in London. His defense, I like the players. The production hasn't necessarily been there, but uh, Matt, Mats Lindgren and Matthew Mania, or Matthew Mania. I'm just butchering pronunciations tonight. Um, the defense could have a massive, massive jump. Uh, I do love Matthew Mania. If he's, you know, if he's still playing in Sudbury with Quentin Musty, then I could see a huge jump coming for him this year. The Euroflex is the question mark for Seattle. Uh, Oscar Fisker molgaard you know, he'll be playing consistent minutes for uh, HV71 in the SHL. The production he needs to have a bit of a jump in production in order for Seattle to really be a contender, but. Uh, As long as he can hit around four points per game, he should be okay. Daniil Boot, that is where uh, this could really be the X factor for Seattle. If he's playing in the MHL, he's going to be around seven, eight fantasy points a night. If he's in the KHL, he could be around three to four, maybe less. So it really will be week to week dependent on where is he playing. The goaltending situation is, is interesting. I do really like Joel Blomqvist. He will be probably splitting games with Taylor Gauthier in the uh, in the AHL this year for Wilkes-Barre, so that'll be that'll be something to keep an eye on. Something I didn't notice though, Seattle actually has Matthias Havelid, who has had a really good start. So, you know, there's going to be weeks where Havelid will probably enter enter the lineup for him, depending on where you know fisker Olgaard is or where Daniel Boot is in their progression. So he's got some depth. He also has Callan Lind. Uh, Callan Lind, you know, if there's a week where Midama, Squires, or Halton and don't play many games, the fact he has Lind right there on the bench, that's going to be super key for him. So Seattle's definitely a team that could make a run in the playoffs, especially if they get hot at the right time. All right, moving on to uh, number nine in the rankings. We have another new member of the league uh, who is now in the power rankings. We have the Toronto Maple Leafs coming in at number nine. The Maple Leafs have a fascinating squad for a few reasons. Uh, they only have one goalie uh, on the prospect roster. I actually just traded him that goalie, Nick Malik. Uh, he plays for Cuckoo in the in the Finnish league. Nick Malik, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's probably going to be under 900 save percentage for the year. So his fantasy points, he's going to be lucky to break seven points per game. That's definitely not the strong point of Toronto's prospect roster. The interesting part about Toronto's roster is he might never play Will Smith and Gabe Perot. Because he has Matias Sapovalov, Hunter Hyatt, uh, and Nico Majatovic. So those three players all play in the CHL. Sapovalov and Hyatt, you really can't leave out of your lineup because they play with Michael Misa. And uh, anyone who has seen Michael Misa knows that kid is going to be he's going to be a really good player. So you can't leave either of those guys out of your lineup. You can't really leave Myatovic out. So Smith and Perot probably won't be entering his lineup until the World Junior Tournament, at which point he's going to have... uh, That's going to be a fun squad for him. So he could end up having a really big week during the World Junior Tournament. The team is a little bit limited elsewhere, though. I mean, Oliver Bonk and Carter Southern, both players I like, just not fantasy studs. Uh, Liam Ogren and Karel Kursinov, His Euroflex spot's also a little bit weaker. But, you know... There's potential here, like if Hyatt and Sapovalov both have big years, which I expect them to have, especially playing in Saginaw, this team could end up really pushing for a top-five spot. So keep an eye out for Toronto. Moving along, flipping over the page, we have the Washington Capitals. This was a team I didn't really look into all that much until later on, and I'm glad I did because they're a little bit of a surprising team. Uh, Cedric gained on... Ethan Gauthier and Cole Brown will probably make up his forward uh, lineup most weeks. Uh, Gained on playing for the Owen Sound Attack. He should be around seven points a game. Ethan Gauthier is playing in Drummondville this year and uh, Cole Brown for the Brantford Bulldogs. Cole Brown is a bit of the X factor. If he can push five and a half to six points per game, he really raises this team's ceiling. The other X factor for this team has to be Simon Nemec. If Simon Nemec doesn't get called up, and he plays the entire in the year in the AHL. He gives Washington a steady defender. Um, he can put in his weekly lineup. If Nemec can get around five points per game, that is huge for this team. Uh, he's also got Rodwin Dionichio. Uh, Dionichio. I, I really need to work on that pronunciation. Uh, Dionichio, you know, he's another He's another really... Uh, he's, he's a fantasy stud. Six and a half points per game last year. I expect him to have another... You know, big jump in production. Granted, he might get traded. I'm not sure how good of a team Flint will have this year. The Euroflex spot is really interesting for Washington. Uh, Lenny Haminaho was a second-round pick this year. I'm a big fan of his game, and he has four goals in five games to start the year in Liga. So between him and Prokor Pultipov, who's getting some solid minutes in the the Russian leagues, I I think his Euroflex could be definitely uh, one of the strong points of his team. And then he finishes it off with Carson, Bjarnason and net. So this team doesn't really have a weak spot. There's just a bit of a question mark of who is going to be that third forward. Is it going to be Zach Nearing? Is it going to be Jacob Julian? I don't think it's going to be Jacob Julian. So to me, it's either Nearing or Cole Brown. At that point, you know, there's not really a weak spot on this team. Matthew Indonovsky, he can also put in uh, on defense, who plays for the Kitchener Rangers, although you really don't want to be relying on Andonovsky this year if you're trying to win the Prospect League. So, moving along, we have at number, I think we're at number seven now, we have the New Jersey Devils. This team is a bit of a surprise coming in at number seven. I think they might be a little bit too low. You start out with Riley Hyatt, David Goyette, and Samuel Hanzek. That's a really, really, really strong top three. Uh, There's not going to be too many teams that can boast a better trio of forwards. Where it gets interesting is uh, he has Andrew Strathman and Caden Price for his defenders. I like Strathman. He's going to have to have a big year in the USHL. He did have an assist in his first game, if I'm not mistaken, so that's a good start for him. Caden Price will also have to have a big jump in production if, uh, if New Jersey wants to contend. Where it kind of falls off a cliff for New Jersey is the Euroflex uh Fanov and Emil Jarventi. both guys you know if he can get three points a game out of them that will be big for him if he can't which you know he actually might struggle to get three points a night out of either so the Euroflex might be a spot that New Jersey looks to maybe make a trade or make an acquisition because that is uh that is going to hold them back from having having a bigger year their goaltender, though, uh, I've talked about him in previous podcasts. I love Yegor Yegorov. He's had a great start to the year. I think he's around a 9.45 save percentage through four games or through three games, and he's averaging like 11 points a game. So yeah, Yegor Yegorov, um, he's he's a sixth-round pick from Calgary this year. He's playing for Dynamo Moskva in the MHL, and as long as he stays in the MHL, I, I expect his, his run to continue because I haven't seen any reason uh, it won't continue at this point. So New Jersey, you know, I'm projecting an average of around 140 fantasy points per week. Uh, I'm probably low on these projections just because um, the way I did it was I took, you know, players average fantasy points a night and I just, you know, um, times it by three, assuming that each guy got three games per week. I only did uh, times two for goalies because most goalies only get two games a week max. You might see guys like Dustin Wolf get three, but not too many, not too many goalies play three times a week. So for that, uh, yeah, so I've got New Jersey and it's seven. Although New Jersey has a chance to, they have a chance to win the league. They just have to sort out the Euroflex. Here's a team that, uh, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm not sure what to make of this team. And this is the Edmonton Oilers. The reason I'm not sure is because the talent is there in spades. They just don't have enough CHL players. So at forward, they've got Connor Lockhart and Patrick Thomas. You know, Lockhart, he's going to be around seven and a half points per game. Patrick Thomas needs to have a big year for Brantford. If he can cross five and a half or six points a game, that would be huge for Edmonton. Now, uh, Edmonton will be relying on Cutter Gauthier. I mean, he was eight points a game last year for Boston College. So it's not like he isn't a big asset. He just only plays twice a week. And he plays in the NCAA. So that does limit his, his potential. Uh, he's also got Lane Hudson. Like Some of the prospects on this team are just, you know, he's got loaded prospects. He just didn't build a team that is meant to win the prospect league. Which, you know, I'm not going to blame him for that. You get the best guys possible and you worry about, you know, you worry about the secondary focus later. So he's also got, you know, Lane Hudson and Tanias Mathurin. Mathurin is... He's not a fantasy guy, even in the OHL. If he can average three points a game, that would be that'd be a nice bonus for Edmonton, uh, especially just because he's playing in the CHL. The Euroflex is really where Edmonton has a big advantage on most teams. Matt Vymichkov and Vitali Kraftsov. The only team that can match that is probably my, uh, my Montreal Canadiens. And he has Antoine Keller in net. Uh, Keller's interesting. He's a, a French goalie who was drafted this year. He's playing, I believe, for a blainesville Boisbriand in uh, in the QMJHL. That'll be a really interesting, uh, really interesting player for him. He he will need Keller to have a big year. Oh, I am so 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 thirsty tonight. All right, folks, moving along. This team is really interesting. This is the Calgary Flames. Uh, so how many more teams? We are at number five. The Calgary Flames are a fascinating team in this league. Their trio of forwards, once again, matches up pretty well with just about anyone besides maybe Minnesota. Nobody's really going to match up too well with Minnesota, but we'll get there. Um, Calgary boasts a trio of Andrew Kristall, Andrei Loshko, who is a QMJHL, he's a Belarusian Q- forward in the QMJHL, and Kerry Terrence. Um, all three of these guys can put up you know, seven and a half points per game. Kristall put up 10 last year. So there's no reason to expect Kristall to not to have another big year. Kerry Terrence, I think will have a huge year and I think Loeschko will keep doing what he does. The defense is really the only weak spot on this team. And if he just, if he just managed to pick up one defender, uh, there's no telling what this team could accomplish. Uh, Topias Vian and Christian Kairu, uh, They're they're both good players. I'm just not sure what they're going to produce in the AHL. That's the only question I have. The Euroflex on this team are just, you know, top-notch as well. Nikolai Kovalenko, he's going to be eight points a game this year in the KHL, or at least that's what he's doing right now. And then you have uh, a fourth-round pick of Montreal who I'm kind of shocked – um, he got, you know, he he slipped through the cracks as long as he did, and there's there's starting to be whispers of like, is he going to be a Mark Streit type of, you know, late bloomer? And that's bugged on Konyushkov. He's averaging five points a game right now in the KHL. So having a guy at eight points and five points in the Euroflex really makes up for his uh, his defensive woes. The only thing that also holds him back is uh, we're not entirely sure what he's going to get out of his goaltending. So he's going to need Matt Murray, the uh, Texas Stars Matt Murray to have a big year for him moving forward at number four this team was one of the last teams i looked at and i'm glad i did because this is going to be a very good team and that is the anaheim ducks Uh, they boast a trio of forwards all in the chl of quentin musty brandon lazowski and robert bobby orr Uh, This team, their only issue, once again, is defense. A lot of teams have similar issues where, you know, they have the forwards set. They might have the Euroflex and the goalies. They just don't have the defense. It's really hard to have great defense. And uh, the one thing you'll notice about the teams in the top three is they all seem to have their defense pretty well set. So Anaheim has Dylan Gill, the third defenseman, or sorry, the second defenseman. There's three guys that I have that could play this role. I think it's going to come down to Adam Engström and Scott Morrow, but I could see Drew Fortescue also making that. Although I would put Scott Morrow personally. Uh, Their Euroflex, another team with great Euroflex options. Yanni Neiman is just having a great year right now in the uh, in Liga in Finland, and our Sanni another just like he's he's going to be putting up around six points per game right now in Russia, so if he can just get the defense sorted out i think i think Anaheim could definitely challenge you know challenge the top teams their trio of goaltenders is incredible they have Jacob Fowler Jesper Wallstedt and Levi Marilainen. all three of those guys you can put in your lineup on any given week you know Wallstedt could end up being the uh, the x factor for this team especially if he doesn't get a call up this year so it's it's hard to tell exactly uh where Anaheim is going to go just because they are so heavily reliant on their forwards and their Euroflex but you know Dylan Gill he's he's actually a bit of an underrated guy he could be around six points per game on defense so it's really just going to come down to do they have the second defenseman they can put in their lineup is it going to be Adam Engstrom is it going to be Scott Morrow that question will probably be answered pretty quick because I think Scott Morrow will be in the AHL this year and he should be getting Big, big minutes for the Chicago Wolves. So, something to keep an eye on. Into the top three. Trying to move pretty quick tonight, because I'm not feeling the best. We have the Vegas Golden Knights coming in at number three. This team, we finally made it to a team that really does not have a weak spot. Um, The top three forwards, Jordan Dumais, Frazier Minton, and Connor Levi. This team, like, they're going to score and it's it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Lucas Dragicevic and Tristan Bertucci at on defense. They do not lack an offensive firepower on the back end. Their only question is probably going to be at Euroflex. They have uh, David Edstrom currently and Philip Hollander. That's not the strongest, but at the same time, they should be getting four points a night from both of those guys. So, it's a pretty solid team from front front to back. The, uh, the goaltending situation, they've got Mason Bopi and they also have uh, Michael Hrayball. So, you know, there's not any weak spots on that team. the only The only position that isn't overpowering would be Euroflex. Number two in the rankings, we get to my Montreal Canadiens. This is going to be, I think it's going to be a two-horse race, if I'm being completely honest. Just based off of the projections and the, the fantasy numbers that I'm looking at, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be either Montreal or Minnesota taking home the title. Granted, <clears throat> if any of the teams I have mentioned beforehand decide to make trades, this could get really interesting. Um, currently, my team uh, I'm putting at uh, my, my, my optimal lineup is Jaeger, Ferkus, Callum, Ritchie, and Owen Beck at forward. Keep in mind, I can also throw in Edward Shala and Easton Cowan. So there's really no lack of depth. I also have Jimmy Snuggerud, who I didn't include in there. So um, I, I don't think Snuggerud will ever make our lineup besides the World Junior Tournament. Or if I just don't have anyone playing more than two games, that's when Snuggerud could make the lineup. But even then, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so there's the forward group here in Montreal is pretty strong. Uh, the defensive group... You know these guys might not be great uh, future NHL players. Like they might not even make the NHL just based off of their draft capital. And that's Luca Cagnoni and Hunter Brustevich. But for fantasy, um, both players are pretty great. So Cagnoni, is he was at six and a half, or sorry, six and three quarters last year, six point seven three, and Brustevich was at four point eight two. I expect both players to have a jump. The Euroflex spots are. Um, there's one player that we have in the Euroflex that is. Other than Mitchkov, he's probably the best Euroflex you can get. And that's Alexander Nikishin. Uh, he also has a D premium attached to him because he, he is a defender. So the reason Nikishin and Mitchkov are so much better than other players is because um, they're scoring at the highest level. Whereas players like Daniel Boot or, um, you know, Trikhozov or Buchelnikov, the issues with those guys is that if they're in the KHL, their production generally takes quite a dip. If they're playing in the MHL, just like watch out because you're going to get 10 points per night out of them, but it all depends on where they're playing. With Nikishin, you don't have to worry about that. It, he's, he's going to be putting up 8 points a night regardless. The second Euroflex for Montreal, uh, I've talked about him before, Viljami Mariala. He's a 5th round pick of Buffalo, not that they need any more good prospects, but he's averaging 7 points a game right now for TPS in Liga, so another player to keep an eye on and the goaltending situation uh Dom DiVincenti's you know he's going to be another really great player in the OHL this year probably he should be starting if not backing up the uh, Canadian World Junior team this year as well so there's no lack or there's really nowhere nowhere on this team I would look at to say there's a there's a weak spot I would just say we don't quite have the horses that Minnesota has so let's get to Minnesota Minnesota has a wagon. Uh, this team is going to be... The only downfall for this team is their goaltending and potentially the Euroflex, even though it might not matter because they just have they have enough horses. So the interesting thing is I, I have currently in their lineup Matthew Poitras, so I actually have to remove him from the lineup. But even with Poitras out of the lineup, they would still be considerably farther ahead than my team. Uh, because they could still throw in Colson Petre or Connor Havidston. Good Lord. Um, yeah, so this team is not, they're not going to struggle because they traded Poitras. So let's take a look at their squad from top to bottom. Uh, the forward spot, their top three forwards, they're going to have Zach Benson, Cohen Ziemer, and let's take a look here. Oh, they also have Nick Lardis. No big deal. So um, <laughs> yeah, Nick Lardis, if he keeps up his second half production, he should be in the lineup most weeks now having Hvidsten and Petre also available is that's uh that's that's pretty nice moving on to their defense uh they have the best defense in the league bar none Michael Buchinger and Denton Matechuk. two of the you know highest scoring guys you'll have this year and you know if they don't have Buchinger and matechuk they can also throw in Kirill Kudryatsev Andrew Gibson or Stanislav Svozal so there's no lack of prospects here um the Euroflex is the only, one of the only issues I see with this team potentially. Uh, Butchelnikov and Trikazov, if they're playing in the MHL or the VHL, no problems. They'll win easily every week. Uh, if they're playing in the KHL, they might end up, you know, you might get eight points out of them, ten points out of them in a week, which won't necessarily kill this team, but if they're in the finals, you, you will need a bit more than that. So it, it'll all depend on where those guys are playing later in the season. The only other thing that I'm seeing here is they do have Trey Augustine for, uh, for their goalie. They will need to have another goalie, especially for the playoffs just because Augustine probably won't be playing too much further into the playoffs. However, they do have Yevgeny Volokin and Yegor Zavregan. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really fun season this year. There's definitely, you know, Minnesota and Montreal, from my view, are considerably further ahead than everyone else. But with trades and uh, with player progression and regression, you never really know what's going to happen. So it's, it's going to be a really fun season. And I expect it to be, uh, to be very competitive, especially, you know, especially with those teams at the top. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to my uh, World Junior Canadian roster projection. I had a lot of fun doing this. I don't think my projections are going to be all that accurate, but I think this team would do really well, and I think this team would match up very well with the American team. So let's take a look. I'm going to start out with the forwards, because the Canadian forwards are, you know, there's a lot of big names, but when I compare it to the the American team, I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to match up pound for pound offensively. So Team Canada will have to take that into account and they'll have to say, we need to have forwards that can also bring something defensively. So this team might not necessarily be what what you would build, but um, this is the team that I would bring to the tournament this year. And uh, the first line would be Macklin Celebrini centering. I would have Zach Benson on the left wing with Matthew Savoy playing the right wing. I think that would bring more than enough speed. The defensive the defensive play from that line would be a lot of fun. And I think they would just swarm puck handlers. Uh, Benson defensively would be, you know, he wouldn't even have to, you know, he, he wouldn't have to be a big offensive guy for this team because playing with Savoy and Celebrini would just give him the freedom to to just absolutely hound puck handlers. The second line, this is where you start to see a bit more of the size and the grit. I have Owen Beck centering the second line. I don't care if there's better prospects. Owen Beck is such a good player, and he's going to start getting recognized for the player he is, I think, pretty soon, because there's very few guys who can win face-offs consistently around 60%, while also being a big two-way center. He he has everything in his game. Like He makes great decisions. He's so good defensively. He's a great playmaker, and he has a surprisingly underrated shot. So... I don't think you'd lack offense with Owen Beck as your second-line center, especially when you pair him with Colby Barlow and Jäger Ferkus. Uh, Barlow, I-, I love the effort from Ferkus and Barlow. I love I love the compete. It's just th- both of those guys can also score, and that's the thing. Like If you're, if you're going to put Owen Beck as your second-line center, he needs to have guys that can score with him, and both of those guys can score at will. So I think that would be a great second line. My third line is actually my only... I'm not entirely sure about this one. I have uh, Connor Geeky centering. I have Fraser Minton on the left wing and Matthew Wood on the right wing. A lot of size, not a lot of speed on that line. Um, I'd be interested to see how that would work, but that would definitely be the the ground and pound line for sure. Alright, and moving on to the fourth line. (coughs) I made a slight change to it at the last minute, Uh, Callum Ritchie is still dealing with a shoulder injury and probably won't be back until November. I want to see Callum Ritchie play before I put him on the team here, so I have subbed him out. So I currently have Nate Danielson centering the fourth line. Um, I have my boy Easton Cowan on the fourth line because I was looking through players that I could put there, and I said, I just want a guy that, you know... He can kill penalties. He can take some pressure off of the guys on the top line so they don't have to do that. And I love Easton Cowan. He contributes so much to winning. And uh, putting him on the fourth line, he would have no issue with that. He would just be, he would do everything you need him to do. And uh, I think that would be a great addition to Team Canada, especially because, you know, you got to get some Toronto Maple Leafs prospects in there. So uh, the fourth line right winger, I originally had Callum Ritchie. I'm going to sub him out and I'm either going to put in uh, Braden Brayden or Jordan Dumais. I wouldn't want Jaeger on the fourth line, but I like what he would bring, especially like he's got such a good shot. And I just think, you know, you put him with Danielson and that would be a really hard team to defend in transition. Easton Cowan would just have so much fun, you know, saucing outlet passes to them. So that would be, that would be a really fun team, especially the forward group. There's no lack of speed. There's no lack of size. There's no lack of compete defensively. I think that would be a that would be a team that could really you know it could handle what America will bring this year because that team, whew, this American team is going to be absolutely downright filthy. Uh, the defensive core is the only part of this team where like I'm I'm gonna get roasted for these predictions. I can already feel it. But uh, yeah, so I've got Kevin Korczynski is the number one defenseman. There's talk about him making the uh, Chicago Blackhawks roster. Which I I so hope he doesn't because they're just gonna bury him like they did to uh to Vlasic last year and to uh, Wyatt Kaiser so let's hope Korchinski doesn't make that team especially for the sake of the World Junior team uh I have Sam Dickinson as the number two defenseman I don't care if that feels presumptive and I just like Dickinson is so damn good he deserves to be on the Canadian World Junior team this year he's one of the best defenders they would have so don't don't worry about the fact he's still like he hasn't been drafted I think Dickinson deserves to be on this team and I think he would be a very very valuable asset Uh, the second line I love Denton Matejchuk and Ty Nelson uh, you would not lack offense those two between you know between Matejchuk's passing and Nelson's shot oh that would be a fun fun pair and then I have Owen Pickering And this is where I'm a little bit hesitant, but I have Noah Warren as a sixth defenseman. Uh, Noah Warren brings the size and the physicality that nobody else on this decor brings. And uh, as much as, you know, I don't think he's a great puck mover per se, I still think he has enough in his game to warrant a roster spot. The goaltending is going to be fun. Uh, I think it's going to come down to Devin Ty Young and Scott Ratzlaff. Don't make me... Uh, predict who's going to be the starter there i would probably say Devin just because i'm a little bit impartial but you know it could definitely be ty young he's going to have a great year this year in prince george so it's going to be a really fun world junior tournament this year the only thing that really sucks is that Russia's not going to be there uh, politics aside there's so many good russian prospects that would be so much fun to watch like uh seeing mitchkov Simishev, demidov levshunov uh, I think Lev Shunov is Belarusian, but um, there's so many good Russian prospects that deserve to be showcased, and it sucks that they can't because of you know political issues. So it's it's definitely gonna be a fun tournament this year, though. I think Finland will be a little bit weaker. Sweden should have a really good team. Um, they're gonna have you know Sandin Pelika, Um There's the uh, there's a guy coming into the draft this year who's gonna be a top ten pick, and he's oh he's physical. But uh, it, it'll be fun if Leo Carlson gets to play for Sweden. That'll be even more fun too. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a really fun year for the prospect league. The one thing I hope is that you know teams are a little bit more hesitant to trade their prospects because of it. That's it's not a guarantee, but I, I do hope te- teams are a little bit uh, tighter with their with their trades. So. Um, Yeah, if there's any more questions, uh, feel free to DM me, especially on Discord. Uh, You all know where to find me. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode tonight.